live your life, boy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Conspiracy Farm, where we don't start the conspiracies, we just add the water. And now your host of the most state-of-the-art, most informed podcast on the interweb, I present to you Pat Militage and Jeffrey Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for Yeah, rear naked choke of Cocker Spaniel, bro. You know what I'm saying? Change the neighborhood up. Conspiracy Farm. Go. Check it out. Jeffrey, how are things down south? I'm doing very well, man. We've had some actually pleasant weather today, kind of 50 degrees. The weather's a little schizophrenic around here in the Midwest area, as you know. Here, you know, I'm in St. Louis, but, you know, from Iowa, it's not too far. And that winter weather can be. Well, was it sunny today? That's my question. It was. It was. It was sunny, but it was like sub-zero a week ago. So it's just like, make up your mind. I guess they're saying you know February is supposed to be super frigid. So we'll see. We'll see. Weathermen. Maybe we. Man, we should have gotten into the weathermen position because you can be literally wrong over fifty percent of the time and make a pretty handsome. Well, but I think <laughs> waiting wrong given, most of the but, time. Well, but given our knowledge, we would be accurate all the time because we'd be keeping a track uh flight trackers on the weather modification planes and whether it was going to be cloudy that day or not mm. chance right? going hard in the paint out I'm of the box saying. i'm trying to keep it a little tepid but yeah no you're absolutely right and you know no you're, you're you are so correct and i'm so glad you brought up weather modification and i do want to do a quick debrief if you don't mind hope everyone's doing well hope everyone's 2023 is kicking off well we our last episode one of our last episodes our last episode with tom agree we checked that out love that cat but uh, we had a chance to speak with uh lieutenant general michael flynn and you happened to bring up a little weather modification i thought it was pretty cool um it's a real thing. I mean, I don't know why people think it's a conspiracy thing, but it's it's literally within a UN documents. It's it's part of. I mean, it's we all know it happened. It's a thing. And there's Not much more than what's. It's much more than what they call cloud seeding. So we've we've got to help people be aware of that. But you know the, um, as you pointed out, G. Edward Griffin's documentary of a decade or so ago, you know, talking about weather modification, right? What in the, what in the world are they spraying? Without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, it's. I mean, we had on Jim Lee, who just spoke, you know, eventually, ladies and gentlemen, not to knock their hustle, but the UFC best of will be, or not UFC, my God, what did I just say? The Conspiracy Farm best of will be on uh, Red Voice Media. Um, stay tight, because we talked to a guy, you know, Jim Lee, who talks about geoengineering, weather modification. It's absolutely real. They've been able to create, you know, tropical storms a, a very long time. So it's it's no longer a theory, but, um, you know. Sometimes and we that's, have to, uh, and that, that's, yeah, that's, again, again, legislation is, is being worked on in a couple of Midwest states to ban weather modification. So we'll see how that's going to go. I'll keep everybody apprised to that. The bills are being fine tuned. So, so they will be forthcoming here, here soon. So I'm excited about that. But, um, yeah, so yeah, we, we could actually be very accurate meteorologists and get paid quite well and just skyrocket <laughs> of as stars of meteorology. Time. <laughs> but before we go we into a conversation about whatever's going on in the world today, you know, this is one of our episodes, again, where we delve into, uh, you know, current events, just kind of the, the zeitgeist of the world today. But before we get too deep into it, give us give me your thoughts, champ. You know, we, we talked to Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. That's a check off on the bucket list. Agree, disagree, agree with whatever on however he moves. We wound up talking to the freaking former head of the NSA, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. What was your thoughts on that conversation, brother? Um, I think, look, 
Um, anytime you get a chance to talk to somebody that has risen to those heights within um, any business or government entity, obviously they have a lot of knowledge. Um, Boone Cutler, of course, you know, same thing. And so both guys are obviously extremely knowledgeable in fifth generation warfare. But, you know, I think that I tried to bring up the point during that was, they had the umbrella of the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, over the top of, you know, the Zuckerbergs and and, and other folks that uh, run pharmaceutical companies, that run big tech, you know, that sort of stuff. And in my mind, I I'm not sure if and if you look at it from their point of view, nation states don't exist anymore. Uh, borders don't exist anymore. The only reason that they exist is to pit each other, you know, to create the illusion that there are adversaries, right? Because the people will believe it. The people will believe it. And But ultimately, when we really look at who runs things, the bankers, uh, you know, those those types of folks, and uh, that the, 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 the NSAs, the like you talk about, the non-state actors, man. We got to stop. Yeah. We got to get yeah. out of the whole notion of it's binary of Coke versus Pepsi. It's just it's right. a chess game, and most people are not even playing checkers, man. They're playing Candyland around here. I mean, it it's it's the atmosphere and the you know situations that are being caused and forcing people's hands to react the way that they have to in terms of what they deem best for their for their for their nation for their citizens. Um, you know, let's just let's just imagine. If since 2013 or so we had, you know, cartels and uh, Mexican military and, you know, all of them being armed by the Russians and being massed on our borders, you know, and a lot of this stuff going on. And I mean, you're looking at you're looking at a massive nuclear re or military reaction out of the United States if if that's going on on our border. In Mexico, so that's what we were doing with NATO, with Ukrainian forces, and massing them on the border with Russia. And you just, what do you expect? What do you expect Putin to do? You know, so that's yeah. But um, I think there was a little too, uh, not not too heavy on the China thing and all of that sort of stuff. But China's absolutely, you know, they just, I think the bankers and the people that run the planet just hop, skip, and jump from one superpower to the next and create them um, and just continue to steal resources and, and destroy destroy the planet, basically, is what they're doing. Well, and, you know, get to you know, that China conversation, they just really uh, engaged in a pretty massive war game over there in uh, over in around Taiwan. It's been right. – a contested area, obviously, and yesterday, within the last you know twenty four forty eight hours, engaged in a pretty massive military operation. Well, I mean, I mean, what do you, what do you see? Like I said, we talked to Flynn, and I honestly feel this whole move towards this like new Eurasia, if you will, it, it's happening right before our eyes without a shot. And I, you know, Flynn emphasized that so much, and I think that's so important because that is the absolutely quintessential essence of asymmetrical warfare. I mean, it's you don't have to fire a shot, and you you've engaged in so much, you know, um, growth as far as your military. Your well, economy's a little 
what they've done as far as building the bases. You sent me something today in, in the Spratly Island war. You know, I sent you something in, as well about war starting in the South China Sea, which we've been talking about for a very long time. It just seems almost inevitable in this notion of Taiwan being the fulcrum point. I don't think it's necessarily Taiwan. I think it's about this whole region in the Spratly Islands and the you know innumerable tons of of natural gas and oil that is in the Spratly Islands, as well as that one belt, one road, that maritime route, that string of pearls, as they call it, going around, you know, South China Sea, the you know, Malaysia, the Philippines into the Indian Ocean, Sri Lanka, Africa. I mean, this is next level stuff and they haven't even fired a shot, champ. Right. And I think it was, well, it was, it was last week, uh, probably early to midweek where a friend of mine who is uh, within the He's former, former military, let's just put it that way. Uh, but he's still quite connected within that world. And that was going on even last week. The, there were a lot of Chinese warships in the water there and they were moving around and, and being, doing their thing, right? So, uh, I mean, as he said, again, I don't, I don't know if I already mentioned this before in a previous show, but he said without a doubt, um, the, the only contingency plan he has seen come across for the Department of Defense for our people and civilians in Taiwan who are there uh, working is evacuation. There's no there's no other plans that he sees. So basically what he said, what that translates to him is we're going to go ahead and give up Taiwan. That well, and to me. I don't know how much we talked about this on the last episode with, with Flynn and I don't think we did because you know, we didn't have much time, but the, the really geostrategic, it's, you know, Taiwan's important for multiple reasons, but as we expand in this technological age, TSMC, the Taiwan uh, Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, they're the main company that processes all these uh, semiconductors and microprocessors, which is like fueling this fourth industrial revolution, as we call it. They, they were the, main places that were that were manufacturing those and now there's been a new plant over in phoenix arizona so i wonder if that kind of takes it off the map a little bit but i think it's more again it's more than just taiwan um with the expansion of china's power in the eurasian um supercontinent if you will if you want to call it that um well and, and it was the trump administration but to get that kind of it, it, the trump administration created and moved that uh, microprocessing chip plant to arizona right so yeah, they saw this enough. coming. They saw this coming. So that, you know, good move by the Trump administration, at least on that. And but we also have monetarily, financial system wise, we have, you know, BRIC nations, China, Russia, um, even Brazil is moving that way, right? And Argentina, um, and Argentina and China have formalized their currency swap situation. So Argentina, Argentina's oil is obviously going to be bought with Chinese notes. Not the American dollar, of course, and and so that's formalized now. Though they've they've made that legit, so that's that's some serious stuff for the Again, American dollar. Again, in, in, in these trade agreements are just as part of just a huge part of warfare than anything else. And speaking about Brazil, man, you see what they just had. They they had their January sixth, but it was actually January eighth. In that uh, Bolsonaro, the you know Yair Bolsonaro, the president of Brazil, who's now in U.S. Not custody, but he's here in the U.S. with an intestinal. He's in a U.S. hospital with something about – anyway, he's sick supposedly. You know, ironically enough, as his country implodes, he's been exported to to a U.S. hospital. But what are your thoughts about what's going on there 
in Brazil, which is very uh, reminiscent of January 6th, as the, the, the people of Brazil fight to protect their ultra, not would say ultra right, I hate to use these kind of terms, to, but the, the right wing conservative um, uh, president. The nationalists. Yes, of course. <laughs> so they even so had the guy. See, they, of, had, they had a, they had they had a, the guy in the buffalo hat. They had, they had the, the, the Viking guy in the buffalo guy. hat. Yes, yeah, I was just going to say, they just, I just saw a picture. Now, not the same guy, but uh, uh, the same outfit. No, 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 of course, of course not. For the, for the, yeah. So yeah. I sat there and I just went, okay, it's either a copycat, which it likely could have been, or um, they literally just shipped the script down there. <laughs> and that's what I'm they're saying. paying the like, players that's to break I'm waiting for Vince McMahon else. to step the fuck out and be like, I, you know, this, 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 is, this is some WWE shit, dude. This is seriously, <laughs> it, they, they, they call it, in, in the wrestling world, they call it gimmick. In Brazil with the horn thing, he engaged in some gimmick infringement on the guy up here in January 6th. But I, I just found it so deliciously, weirdly ironic that almost the same thing happens January 8th, not January 6th. The guy, you know, it was it, – it's like you just said. Did they just ship the script down there and made it happen? But there's some crazy stuff going on down there in Central America, very reminiscent of uh, your Chile, your Guatemala back in the 60s and 70s, which is uh, why they had to send down what – you know, track two is what they called it where the CIA went in and infiltrated and either assassinated or, you know, you know, coerced elections to bring in the right people um, because, you know, there was such a huge socialism slash communism in the, in South America and the Southern hemisphere. I mean, it's been going on everywhere, I guess, but um, definitely back in uh, the 60s, 70s. And here we are again. Yes. And so the the thing about Brazilians is they're much more aggressive. They're much more hot-blooded than Americans. They don't take shit. They will fight at the drop of a hat, every one of them. You, I had to fight a few of them, of course. And they don't mess around, man. They will they will straight up punch you in the face the minute you disrespect them. And so that comes from, you know, their background of back in the 1800s, early 1900s, that if you insulted a Brazilian man in front of his peers, it was his obligation to kill you. Literally. If you didn't do it in private, mm. if you did it in front of his peers, they would literally try and kill you on the spot. And that was their, that's just the way it was. You don't do that. You don't disrespect them. Um, and that comes from directly from the book, uh, Tigrero about Sasha and Ernst Semmel who went there. It's the greatest book in the history of books. Um, I mean, it's better than <laughs> Sir Ed- it's it's better than Sir Edmund Hillary and Tenzig Norgay's account of climbing Mount Everest for the first time. Um, that's the kind of books that I read, nonfiction, right? So anyway, uh, in this book, dude, these Russian brothers in 1921 go to the Amazon for the for the diamonds, uh, the Mato Grosso is what it's called, and their adventures of fighting Paraguayan strongmen, terrible Turks, and catches catch can wrestling matches. Um, Sasha Semmel became um, what they call a Tigrero. The name of the book is Tigrero, where he killed 33, 400, 3, 400 pound cats with a spear. He learned from a junk, a drunken Amazonian Indian. He had to buy the Indian Kachaka, what's what they called it, and the Indian drank the whole way while they were on horseback going into the friggin' Amazon. This guy tracked a cat down drunk and killed it with a spear. And Sasha Semmel's watching this whole thing and learning, and then the guy taught him how the cats set on their paws, whether they're coming high, whether they're coming low, how to position the spear, everything. So here's this wow. Russian guy traveling through Brazil. They, they would stop in villages and, and towns and 
do the fights with the Paraguayan strongmen and the, like I say, the terrible Turks and other, other guys like that. But they were engineers, so they knew how to fix guns. So they'd fix everybody's guns, get paid, and then they'd move further into the, into the Amazon and, and just crazy, crazy stuff, dude. Crazy stuff. Really cool. But, uh, wow. Anyway, shifting, doc- shifting. So, but that's why the, that's why there's that. so, I'd love to see, I mean, yeah. Well, they, they tried to do a documentary on it and they were going to make a film. Uh, there is a documentary on the attempt at making a film. John Wayne was going to play <laughs> Sasha Semmel, but they, oh, it geez. was, that was in the fifties when they went down there to, to make the movie. And it was too dangerous. They couldn't do it because the Amazonian Indians were going to friggin' kill them. So they, they, they bailed on, on filming it. But I, I actually had, um, read the book several times and I was writing the script. I was writing the screenplay on it and I had spoken, I got done with it and I had spoken with, um, Sasha Semmel's son, Sasha Jr. And, um, we had talked pretty extensively and I was like, man, I'd love to make a movie, you know, with this, but you know, we, both, I, I, I got busy with other stuff. He kind of started to ignore me. I, I don't think he was down for the whole project. But anyway, that's, it's, yeah, it's worth making a movie. Yeah, it sounds so very fascinating. Holy shit, dude. Yeah. So, do a little so, deep dive on that, man. But that gives you an idea about Brazilians, at least, as it went off on a tangent of why Brazilians are going ape shit down there. It's not like Americans, uh, where, you know, yeah, they went into the capital and stuff like that. But you see inside of the the buildings there, the government buildings there, they fucked everything up. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It's next level. And then we're seeing, like, all these chaos. And like I said, uh, Bolsonaro, uh, I think his name is, Yair Bolsonaro, he's in a, a U.S. hospital now. So he's obviously been evacuated. The chaos is, is that steep. So keep well, your eye want, on Brazil. That's the thing is all of the people that are doing that, obviously are Bolsonaro supporters because I mean, again, it's a carbon copy of the American election in 2020 when a guy who stayed in his basement and shits himself won an election. And we, hey. it's hard to, it's just hard to fathom <laughs> that. Right? Are you telling me Joe Biden wasn't the most popular president ever? Patrick, come on. It's insane. It's hard for me the whole to world's it. upside down. Everything's upside down, but you know, it is. Um, it absolutely. I, I, but to switch off of, of the, the political stuff, this is, this is funny, dude. This is funny. I I want you or somebody, myself, I want to write an obituary um, for the Mars um, lander. I'm going to write an obituary for it because this is this is this is the emotional programming that's going on in this country. This is how clown world shit has become. Okay, so it says NASA's Insight Mars lander sends heartbreaking farewell message back home. That's literally that's and then this is NASA Insights Twitter page. Listen to the message that the machine sent us people, us us living human beings. Sure. Sentimental message back to the humans on Earth from Mars. My power is really low, so this may be the last image I can send. Don't worry about me though. My time here has been both productive and serene. If I can keep talking to my mission team, I will. But I'll be signing off here soon. Thanks for staying with me. <laughs> Hal. That's not like some Hal shit from fucking 2001. Dude, yeah, that's, oh, I mean, it's, God. that's AI, yeah. bro. I mean, we're seeing everybody posting their, like, AI picture, and it's, it's, no, not Hal, Hal. If you remember Hal from 
2001 A Space Odyssey. It was, you know, this basically self-actualized kind of computer that was, yeah. 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 That's uh, what we're going so- I mean, that was, and that was, that was a long time ago. But here we are. <laughs> I, I I was offered a, a Twitter a Twitter friend request or whatever you want to call it from I forget her name is like hey I'm the AI such and such it, it's normalizing it obviously and we know where they're going with this as far as AI the tech, the rise of the machines as it were but yeah we did, digress. The, did that we digress. Did, did, uh, did you check and see what the um what the AI um you know, which gender it was, which pronouns it had. Did you check on that? No. Well, yeah, it, it appeared to be a gal, uh, a lovely blonde uh, Caucasian woman with blue eyes. And I'm sure they have many different iterations. But, yeah, the rise of the machines is happening, dude. We're seeing it. I just feel bad for, you know, like the ladies that decide to become lesbians and then the first guy they hook up with has a penis. You know, I just I feel awful <laughs> for them. <laughs> We're living in weird, weird times, Patrick J. We got uh, what? What? What else do you have on your plate there? Got any else? Anything else on the news? You know, some interesting stuff on the farming front because obviously I'm, you know, spend some time learning about that. Uh, but the farmers have won a lawsuit to be able to work on and service their own tractors. Well, it was a rule where John Deere service centers had to. That's a major- big deal. Yeah, yeah. So the right, is, so the right so. to fix, right to fix legislation. I think it was called right, right to fix or something yeah. like. Yes. And and that yeah, that's so definitely a big, big deal. deal, dude. Because that that's um. Yeah, <laughs> there, there's a lot to that. There, there's so much micro circuitry going on in these in these John Deere units today. I uh, forget the name, uh, you know, the latest one or the latest ones, but. I, I think I read something about there's more microcircuitry and circuitry going on on the, the the latest John Deere tractor than there was on the original space shuttle, which or the latest space shuttle, which wasn't much, but it, it's still pretty pretty interesting. But the people who can go in and fix it themselves, even if they fix it themselves, they don't fix the um, what do they call it the the the, well, the warranty. warranty stuff. You can have, you, but you can no have no no warranty not, not warranty, but like too. the not not even just warranty, but like the the the, the code thing the that would be lights. going off. The warning lights will not even if even though you fix it, they make it so you can't turn off that warning light. It's 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 a it's a very very serious serious topic of the right to fix because those are worth so much money and people leverage so much of their 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 life and their treasure into these tractors. Well, and, and I think and it's, not even I, just tractors I, anymore. That, that that brings to light for me the thought processes of you know what about you know, the ability to shut off, you know, when when the Russians stole a bunch of John Deere equipment and took it into Russia and then John Deere remotely shut down all of those tractors, right? They couldn't use them. Mm. So they, they had that power to be able to do that. So I would, if I'm a farmer, I would stand up and take notice of that, uh, considering what they're doing to food production, you know, in so many different ways, whether it's cost of inputs, fuel, um, food production, supply chains, you know, I mean, it's just all kinds of stuff that's happening. Yes. If you just refuse to, if you just refuse to listen to them and comply, and you keep farming, are they going to shut your tractor off? Right. 
And and when we get into, you know, these smart vehicles, smart cars, not to completely digress, but I think, you know, that's what's rumored to have happened with and many of people's cars who have been hijackable, most notably uh, Michael Hastings, Rolling Stone reporter. There's a report yep. that his uh, Mercedes Benz was hijacked and driven at very high speeds into a tree. So I know you're absolutely right. It's a slippery slope with this, man. I mean, with a lot of the conveniences that come with a lot of our smart stuff. Um, there comes that downside of being hackable, not to mention what I talked about on our last episode is the expansion of all of the advancements are based off of literally human child slave labor in the Congo and not even just children with the with the mining of cobalt. I mean, if you were to right. get in, you know, look into it, ladies and gentlemen, all of our lithium batteries are powered by it. All of our smartphones, all of our tablets, all of our laptops, all of our electronic vehicles. And it's again, it's not a freaking racial thing. That's not why I'm saying that, but it's just literally is we're so very selective how we're butthurt about this and that. We're all too fucking quick to pull out our smartphone and rock our tablet, which is powered by child slave labor. Among well, and here's know, something and just human slave of, labor as well. In terms of EVs, electric motorcycles, electric bikes, all of this stuff. I mean, it's common sense to sit there and say. And mind you, I got hit in the head for a living, but I've I've got a, a common basic working understanding of generating power, right? And the ability to have batteries on, say, a fat tired bike. And instead of running those batteries dead, why wouldn't you put a pulley system to a generator that generator went in and powered the batteries so they would never run out of power, just like you do you know, the way it's just common sense. So put a belt system to a generator and or an alternator and have it keep supplying power to, you know, the batteries. And you just keep supplying them so you never have to charge them again until they fry or whatever, right? Yeah, you just replenish the batteries, but yeah, absolutely. And that's that's and that's something that there's some people who have rigged um electric cars to have a pulley system that goes back up in and has a charging system that charges the batteries. So they never have to plug their damn car in. It literally charges the batteries continuously. So that's what people should be doing, modifying the shit out of these things. Yeah. I mean, it's, we've, we've seen, I forget the guy's name, the guy who uh, converted or came, not came up with, but the hydrogen cell, um, he made the car and then he wound up dying of mysterious circumstances forget his name i'm sure people who are listening to this know the guy's name we we had i think we're talking to not jim lee but somebody else and we had a very extensive conversation about alternative technologies and how they're definitely viable what they did to nikola tesla etc and then these people wind up you know whatever disappearing dying under mysterious circumstances and having their work um you know obfuscated etc well, and that's okay. that's the thing yeah. is, you know, the patents, the patents get hijacked and stolen. And now all of a sudden you've got Toyota coming out with a hydrogen power cell and Honda and, you know, other vehicles, other other companies. But, uh, you know, I was I was having a conversation. I was on a, a text chain with a bunch of people who are in the and you should be in on this chain. You should be included on this. I need to include you in it. Because um, there's some pretty heavy hitters in alt alt uh, alt media, but we were talking and and kind of thinking, what's the next big shoe to drop? What's going to be the next big shoe to drop 
in terms of, say, with Russia and Ukraine or with Taiwan, with all these things. And I mean, nothing's off the table in terms of, you know, potential even small tactical nuclear strikes or bigger. And it was a really interesting conversation uh, with with all of those people going, man, this is some hairy, hairy stuff, right? Well, and that's that's the best way to look at it. Like literally nothing is off the table at this stage of the game. As as I've we've talked about forever, and even our conversation with Flynn, going back to that, how the grand chessboard is shifting in in hugely in huge ways. Um, I don't know how it's exactly it's going to play out, but it appears to be a certain shift towards Eurasia. But I mean, again, anything's on the table right now. Like I was asking Flynn because I've always thought, you know, back in the day in the eighties, was um, made mutually just mutually assured destruction. You know, we're all going to nuke each other, and it's all just going to be scorched earth. And I thought, like, why would you do that? Because then, like, you know, we're all fucked at that standpoint. And here we are, however many years later, I was thinking the fact that we're so economically inextricably linked because of the global economy that there's no way we would ever engage in a, a kind of war that would do that, assure destruction for everybody, you know, towards Earth. And, you know, Flynn brought up a great point. You just never take – you can never take that. That's why he's lieutenant general, of course. You can never take that off the table as far as a chess piece and a, and a move to make. Um, will it happen as far as we think it of? Like you said, tactical. And I don't know – I mean, I know what that means. It's not, you know, everybody launches all the – and that's something I've wondered about. Could, could one country launch a nuke without everybody launching all of their stuff? Same with Taiwan. Well, like it, if, if, if China invades Taiwan, we're going to come out and invade. You know, it's all on and popping if they invade Taiwan. And I just don't think that'll happen. I think China can take Taiwan without a lot of fanfare. Well, I'm just wondering. There's a lot of saber rattling when it comes to wartime stuff. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. But you go back to World War II, and that's the, the thing that I think about is, you know, the British, it's pretty solid evidence that the British knew we were going to get hit by the Japanese at Pearl Harbor. They wanted us in the war. They wanted us to get well, hit. Well, we, we knew, and, too. You know, we knew, too. Not to get deep <coughs> into that, but we knew, too. Sure. But the, certain, warnings, but the, certain warnings were made. Right. But the, you know, the economic sanctions we were putting on Japan when they were going into China and doing their thing and all of that, uh, you know, so obviously we've got similar economic situations. We've um, put an embargo and some other things on, on the Russian economy, and, you know, they brag about destroying the Russian economy. Well, there's a lot of homeless people in America now because of their dumbasses, right? And so you're hurting. It's always going to hurt the people. It's always going to hurt the citizens. It doesn't hurt the politicians. It doesn't hurt the elites. Well, and, and the ruble's not doing as bad as they thought it was going to be. The ruble's not doing quite as bad as they thought. Right, exactly. And, you know, meanwhile, <laughs> I just sit here. Um, I think about it, and uh, Biden, Biden, I mean, goes down to the border finally and does a photo shoot down there. I know we're jumping around a little bit here, but I sit there and I think about, uh, I know a lot of border patrol guys, you know, I've, I've worked with some of those guys um, and they're just disgusted. They're disgusted with what's going on. There's so many people, millions of people pouring across the border per year. Um, Six to 7,000 a day, six to 7,000 a day. That's right. insanity, right. bro. That's insanity. 
it's it's not acceptable. It's not acceptable. Americans should not be accepting it at all. It is the cloward pit on, on all fronts. This is just one one area yes. of breaking the bank, of destroying the American dollar, and putting us into poverty. Uh, it is bringing Americans to their knees when you've got, you know, other powers like I said, you know, Argentina and, and China doing their their monetary deal, their uh, you know their swap with their notes. You've got stuff going on at the border, people pouring in resources, money. You've got the Afghanistan debacle. You've got all these different things. You've got the printing of massive amounts of money. It is it is straight to the fucking bottom. Well, and you they, and you had and then you had um, I, I don't know the exact number billions for border patrol of other countries other than our own that was in that omnibus bill. Which is just again on its face, man. Like you said, cloward and pivot. I'm glad you brought that up. That's just this is all by design, man. I'm sorry. I know we're the conspiracy folks, but this none of this is by accident, man. It's not a whoops. We have seven thousand flooding over our southern border every day. We know what this is. Well, you think about here's the thing. It's it's very it's very easy to see when they make statements that say you will own nothing and you're going to fucking like it. Sorry about dropping f bombs, but I'm a little annoyed with everything. And, and but we, when we the when the economy implodes completely and people are out of work and they can't pay their mortgage and all those properties start getting sucked back, which there's been it's been massive already. You know, you've got BlackRock buying up massive swaths of properties and pools of notes and and a lot of that going on um that's that's how this happens and everybody's you know everybody's on their knees and that's it's not acceptable that americans are that are intelligent many of them that will continue to comply until they are just groveling on their knees and begging for digital currency it's it's unacceptable i would love to say it's not by design but unfortunately in my most humble opinion when you talk about so many of these things, think, think tanks have talked about the revolution, the lockstep. I mean, it's, I don't know. Is is the UN smart city gulag inevitable for all of us, ladies and gentlemen? I mean, it seems like as much as we have so much fanfare and pushback and this and that, it just seems like it's that, it's just pushing towards that. And I hope there's going to be some measure of society that has some, like, no, I'm just not going to do it. And we create some kind of, I mean, I think balkanization is bad because when you start dividing people, it's just, we might have to be creating some level of breakaway civilization where it's just like, all right, you guys are going to go over here, but we, it's not something we could, it's not sustainable for us to do together. And I know that sounds very antiquated. And when I say segregation, it's just not just based off race. It's just like, there's just certain people you just can't fuck with. And at, at, we're at the stage of the game where it's just like, this isn't sustainable. No, unfortunately. And people, again, we've said for a long time, better be growing their own food. If you don't own your property property outright, I I don't know what to tell you, man. It's 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 a little tough. It's going to be a little tough. Um, I don't know how don't long know. it takes to get to that. I don't know how long it takes to get to that point. But yeah, try to um, downsize to something that you can pay off uh, with a yard that you can grow your own food. You know. All the above, all the above, you know, I mean, if I, Sustainability, if I didn't have, the, you know, I had it all planned out 
again, I had it all planned out, had it all figured out, what I was going to do, you'd be prepared, all that sort of stuff. And, and I hit, I hit some bumps in the road. I hit some bumps in the road. And so I'm just telling people that have the wherewithal and the ability to, you know, get prepared, get prepared as much as you can. Yes. Stay prepared. So you don't have to get prepared, right? And it doesn't have <laughs> to be some like, Scenario like again, you got car insurance. You're not obsessing about getting in a car wreck. You got fire insurance. You're not obsessing about fires. You just you're just prepared. If you don't have to, you, you stay ready. You don't have to get ready. Type thing. It's better to have it, not need it, need it, not have it. And it's just one of those things to have. One thing I have to ask you before we dip out here, champion. So, yeah. old BFF Dana White was in the news recently. Um, I don't know what the nature of your relationship is at this point. I know you guys have had your bumps in the road, but just give it your give us your thoughts on his recent bump in the road as far as literally being on tape hitting his wife like a couple times at a club while also serving as the president of the UFC with all the, you know, stakes that are involved with that, also lecturing certain fighters about their domestic stuff. This is a conflict of interest. Does Dana got to go? What are your thoughts on you know, Dana's uh, recent foray in the news, my friend? Well, I look, obviously, one thing I have not done is um, smacked my girlfriend or wife around. So I can speak to that, you know, with a clear conscience. And when he used to say, yeah, and it's still saying now it's not acceptable. And I'm not asking or saying that he should be fired. All I'm saying is this, is that if you're the CEO of the UFC and your job is to run the organization and hand down disciplinary action when it's necessary or cut fighters from their contracts for um, things that they've done wrong, including um, hit their girlfriend or wife, well, how do you then move forward as someone who's done that on film? Um, how do you discipline an athlete if he, you know, lays hands on his woman or so-called a woman? So that's a difficult decision then that he doesn't have the authority now. He's undermined himself in that area where he can't make the call, right? He He really can't make that call. So that's something that I think that, you know, the ESPNs of the world and, you know, all the other sports um, networks, they've missed, they've, they've, they're not talking about it a whole lot anyway, but that's at least the not question that should be, that's the question that, that should be asked. And again, then we look at UFC leadership in terms of, you know, me uh, having false mm-hmm. information uh, posted on the internet, which was carried by ESPN and other networks, um, where I was falsely accused of things, uh, being a racist and being a uh, supporter of domestic terrorists and all this other bullshit. Everybody that knows me knows that's none of that's true. Um, but the person that wrote it is a guy that is employed and under contract currently as an athlete with the UFC. Now, mind you, he was brought into the UFC to fight CM Punk. Well, I like Phil as a person, but Phil is not and never will be a fighter. He's just not. And, you know, this gentleman was brought in because he might be just bad enough to lose to CM Punk was the hopes. Uh, <laughs> but again, nonetheless, this is a guy that goes around filming himself on airplanes and other places calling white people snow roaches. And yet he's still under contract with the UFC while I lost my job, my broadcasting job, for false information that that individual wrote. 
I've got a real problem with that. I do. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. As well you should. As well you should. You know, someone who's known you a very, very long time, the last thing. I mean, whatever. It's it, it, This is the culture anymore. It's it's just the imprint. It's just a picture with the wrong person. And it's one of those things where it's like, like you said, you lost your job. You lost your livelihood off some bullshit. And, you know, people went around and, and exacerbated their problem, which didn't make your life any. But, yeah, I just I just found that interesting when I saw that about Dana. And, you know, with the, the huge stakes that are involved in that company, William Morris, et cetera, um, and almost immediate kind of blackout of it. I wonder how they move forward because he is, you know, I don't know if he's a CEO, I think he's the president, but regardless of his role, he's definitely of, of dictating people's careers based off of their, um, you know, social media ups and downs, whether it's Jones or, or anybody else. So it's interesting how <laughs> being uh, in such a, such a powerful position at that company, how they rationalize keeping him around while other people lose their jobs off of, um, yeah, just it's 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 interesting, dude. Dana White and his 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 mom. His mom has been putting him on blast. I don't know if you've heard. I'm, I'm sorry. I hate to go on this kind of salacious road, but yeah, I just wanted to no, get your right. take on on Dana. No, it's just uh, your what's take on mom, Dana what's White. His and what's his what's what's his mom saying? About saying like now? that relationship's been that relationship has been tumultuous for a very long time. And I mean, of course, the the thing is like they've never hit each other, and I, I have no idea if they have or haven't, but. Uh, Dana White's mom's it's an unsurfaced interview from a while ago talking about the toxic relationship that him and his have. but I don't know I'm, I don't mean to be all freaking uh, TMZ on it about it but I just wanted to get your opinion on um yeah, what happened it. with I him mean, is you know it's, yeah the new story very, and, and like you said very, just very and how, you know how, how poignant he is in the role in dictating other people's career Careers based off the same shit. Like he'll cut somebody and do this and that off of similar stuff. But of course, you know he's doing. I think I read something. Um, whatever. It could be complete horseshit. He's like, don't anybody tweet about it at ESPN or you know, just trying to keep you know maintain this media blackout. But whatever. I mean, we're all works in progress, dude. But it's interesting how they rationalize keeping something like that in his position, having done something that he's fired people for doing much less for. But you know. The world oh yeah, in. yeah, no, yeah. So it is what it is. Um, I think, I don't know. It it comes down to how much money did he cost the you know the parent company and the UFC. And oh, one more thing, I, we have to talk about this, dude, before we get off of here. So Khabib, yes. Khabib, Khabib, he's done recently. Well, here's the thing, though. Here's my take on all of that. So we know that Bellator is for sale. It is, it's rumored that it is for sale. And when Khabib ducks out stage left and says, I'm done, we know that there are some folks in Dubai who would like to own a major, major MMA organization. And I have a very strong feeling, we'll see if this plays out, but I have a very strong feeling that some folks um, from Abu Dhabi or Dubai are going to buy Bellator. They're going to pay handsomely for it. And they're going to make Scott Coker happy again because he sold strike. They, him and his sports group sold Strike Force before to the UFC for a pretty pretty good amount of money. But I think that Khabib is going to come back in, and he is going to be running that organization potentially. And the interesting thing about it is the timing with the stuff that happened with Dana and everything else 
around the sport right now and how crazy it mm. is. And, mm. and it's the perfect time for Khabib and, and some powerful folks from Dubai or Abu Dhabi, wherever, to come in, snatch up Bellator and go, here we are. We're now we're we're ready to play and we're we're coming heavy, uh, you know, while the UFC's down, right? Well, seemingly down. They anytime they they say they're down, they're like, hey, we're we're the best product ever. Which I have no idea. I don't know what their books are, but I mean, it like anything. Everything is very cyclical, man. You can't stay on top forever. And competition's well, a good the, thing. I love it. Yeah, competition but, is a good thing. It's for the athletes. And but the thing is, you know, they they have raised uh, pay per view prices in the past couple of years yes. four times they're at 79.95 now or whatever you know we're going not going into a recession we've been in a recession for quite some time and with that you know it, it likely is going to get worse and they keep charging more money i don't know how long the consumer will put up with that is what i'm saying well and it's this can become one of the things they're going to price themselves not necessarily out of business but if people can't afford to do it you know they're just not going to be able to participate you know buy some of that stuff and all that, that packaging that they're doing yeah we'll see that's an interesting interesting take because when I saw that I'm like I thought he just launched Eagle FC but whatever the thing is he just wants to focus on his family and his children et cetera, which could easily happen but I was like wow why would you put so much energy into something just to dip out less you know a year and some change later but he, he could be, man, that cat seems like a very focused individual. And it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, he left at the top as champion of the UFC, undefeated because he's like, I, I told my dad, you know, once he died, I'm done. And he stayed, he, you know, he stuck to his guns on that. But right. I, I, I could, see, you know, like you said, I could see him coming back in some iteration still in the MMA world. He just said he's dipping out from Eagle FC right now. But wow, that's a very interesting take. And you're so right, man. That, timing it's not the best pr right now for the ufc a lot of fighters are unhappy you know you got jake paul getting signed to pfl etc but yeah Which we'll see man that would be well man very very big news it absolutely is it absolutely is well champion right, buddy. this well, has been another we've episode covered, we've, we've covered the, covered some, sorry, covered sorry, some stuff in the world the gambit we did we, we did with a nice little wide swath of, of topics in the world um yeah, it's an interesting time to be alive. It's always good. And I have to say, man, I don't know if you guys have had the chance to listen to, I think, the GOAT, one of the GOATs in alternative news from way back in the day. If you get a chance, YouTube and find it. The conversation, her name is Kay Griggs. She's an absolute freaking hero. And I will just leave it at that because the video and her interview is like six, seven, eight hours long. And what she has to give you guys is not straight straight heat so check out k griggs and um patrick thank you once again my friend it's been a pleasure thank you jeffrey good seeing you buddy good talking to you uh thanks to all the people that are tuning in and uh we've got we've got some very interesting guests coming up we do and check out the store ladies and gentlemen check or, uh, it's in all of our links that are attached to the description to the video. We got a conspiracy farm shirt up. We have a couple self-defense warrior. If you can, champ, explain the one in the asterisk because I've been asked a couple times, and it's like, what does that mean? And they were thrown off a little bit. One, what is that one? So the one, the number one, represents yes. yourself. And the asterisk means one ass to risk. Meaning, there get you your go. shit together. Be ready. Be ready. Be healthy. 
be squared away. One asterisk. So, in the military and law enforcement world, that used to mean train, 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 be very good at what you do so that you stay alive and you can help the others around you. Um, that goes for the civilian population now because we are being bombarded. People are getting sick. People are dying. Get healthy. Take care of your immune system. OrganicSuperSoldier.com and pick it up, and that uh, will help bolster your immune system and it's helped a lot of people. We've got a lot of testimonials coming back from it. So, you know, there you go. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready, ladies and gentlemen. Peace and so much love. It's been a pleasure, champ. See you next time, guys.